You're listening to the FUVFC Podcast on WFUVSports.org. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the FUVFC Podcast. We are talking soccer in the Bronx here. I'm Christian Hoban. I'm here with Jackson Heil. We got a uh, great show for you today. Got a lot to get to. Uh, we're going to start with uh, the local news of the day, talk about the MLS playoffs. Uh, we had the first round of the playoffs. We had New York Red Bulls. We talked about this last week. Uh, they were playing. They played on Wednesday night, I believe, last week. So it was right before we record, or right after we recorded, I should say. We weren't sure if they were going to get through. They smashed Chicago on the road, four nil. An impressive result for Red Bulls. Absolutely. And I mentioned last week that with Chicago banged up on their back line and Bastian Schweinsteiger as well, that the Red Bulls could have a field day if. They performed to their potential, and they certainly did. Wright Phillips was excellent. Question was excellent as well. And they kind of just tore apart that back line of Chicago. And that's a tough test for them as well. Chicago was really good at home during the regular season. And we kind of saw during the first round a few big up, few big upsets, you could say. Atlanta goes down to Columbus, as well as Sporting KC going down to Houston. And me and you both had going yeah, to and the I, finals. And I, I had Atlanta in the finals as well. So Atlanta and Sporting KC... That's I a tough bo- go. Yeah, well, you know, it's not that bad, you know, because we're going to do revised predictions. Exactly. But but uh, the, the next thing I want to talk about, so then the ra- leg leg one of round two has already occurred um, for many of these teams. Um, Toronto has the Red Bulls, and they beat the Red Bulls in the first leg two to one. Any shot for the Red Bulls at all to come back? No, I think their shot was in game in the first leg of the, uh, the, the aggregate round. I mean, you look at the way they played I mean they lose 2-1 obviously to Toronto and they they you could say that the Red Bulls dominated it wasn't Toronto's best performance Wright Phillips had two point blank chances in the second half that could have put them ahead but then you you can't take a foul within 25 yards against Giovinco because he's going to take advantage pretty much every time that was that was that was a really really impressive free kick to I put mean, you Toronto saw, over the top you saw the defender he read the play too he knew he was going to go near post kind of over the over the wall and he runs back, but just perfectly executed by Giovinco. And I saw a stat yesterday. He's made 14 free kicks into goals in since 2015, and no one else has even two. Yeah, that's it's sensational. It's, it's it's insanity. But it's only one goal deficit for Red Bulls. Unlike the other New York City team, NYCFC, who lost four to one to Columbus. It was in Columbus. They lost four one in the first leg. Leg two is going to be Sunday at Yankee Stadium. Man, that's that's a brutal loss. I mean, Columbus was really jazzed up after beating Atlanta, and they're and they come home, and it's the save our crew and all that stuff. The fans were very into it, but that you can't you can't let in four goals in the first leg if you're NYCFC. Yeah, and given Columbus, like you mentioned, they're playing they're playing inspired right now. I mean, because there's a rumored move to Texas that could possibly happen. Their fans want them to stay, but I think the that performance is mostly on just the sloppiness of NYCFC. I mean, you look at two of the, two of the four goals were just off turnovers in their own defensive third, and then they Columbus just takes advantage. And the performance of Jack Harrison is continuing to just baffle me. I mean, the guy was one of the most dominant players in the league, you could say, in the first half of the season. He hasn't performed to par. It's really only David Villa that's producing on offense right now, and with that, you're not going to come back from a three-goal deficit. Yeah, I mean, Jack Harrison is an incredible talent, and he showed that early this season. He is incredible on the ball. He's got a great first touch. 
but it just hasn't been there. I mean, you see that ball, you see the balls come over to Jack Harrison, and his first touch just he just loses control right away every time. When that was his strength early in the season, when he was playing really well, and it's that giving away of possession is what really has been coming back to bite NYCFC in the towards the end of the regular season as well in the first round of the playoffs here. Yeah, they kind of moseyed along into. The playoffs. Yeah, you they, could back, say. they backed in. Exactly. Yeah. I think last week we mentioned two wins in their last two months. Yeah. And and it wasn't even a lot of losses. It was just a lot of draws. Yeah, exactly. Like not 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 a lot of inspired performance. And yeah. this is the second year in a row that this has happened to NYCFC. Obviously, last year they lose to Toronto, who went on to the final. But now against Columbus, who I mean, yes, they've they've been red hot. They haven't lost since October August fifth, rather, and they're playing with inspiration, but. This has to be concerned going forward, and whether it's a coaching change possibly next year, because right now you look at it, you have to think that NYCFC are out of it. If this happens again, possibly next year, I, I think you give Vera one more chance to kind of get his group back. But if this happens again, I would expect him without a job. Yeah, I, I do think you give him, uh, especially the way NYCFC came out this at the start of the season, bouncing back from their playoff loss last year. They looked very strong. I mean, second place in the East. I think you give them another chance, but you have them on a short leash next exactly. season. I mean, if they come out and they're struggling, Jack Harrison looks more like second-half Jack Harrison than first-half Jack Harrison. It's still only David Villa who's producing for NYCFC. Then maybe you take a look at – but I don't think you give him that long uh, next season. I think – I mean, he. I think he did wonders at the start of the season. I thought he had turned it around. NYCFC looked great. They were firing on all cylinders. But – I get, it's the same old story, you know, second year in a row, first round playoff exit. Yeah, and it's just like the performance was really lazy from them. I mean, La- you look, yeah. you look La- at that last, you look at that last goal by Aluff, I believe it was a fuller rather. I mean, he just walked. There's seven defenders right there, and yeah. he just walks through just the walks box through untouched. I mean, and th- that that was the goal that really kind of put the put, dagger. put this away. Yeah. I mean, like a two goal deficit going back to the Bronx, that's doable. But now you're down three goals. Your only source of offense is Via, and your your back line, as we saw, is very shaky. I mean, that's something that they can't really come back from. And that again, if they, if they're gonna perform like that, a lazy, lackluster type performance, that's also on coaching, as I mentioned. Yeah, that's that's absolutely on coaching. And barring uh, a resurgence, I think it's gonna take more than. I mean, David Via is capable. It's gonna take the rest of. It's gonna take NYCFC to have a major wake up before this second leg for anything to have a chance of happening, specifically Jack Harrison, I would say. Um, but like we said, that's there's not a very good chance of that happening. So revised predictions then. I'm very much looking forward to Columbus and Toronto. I am too. I think that'll be fun. Absolutely. Which one's going to come out of there, though? Yeah, I think you have to go with Toronto. Just, I mean, that, that lineup is just so it's, it's so dangerous and up top with Altidore, Vasquez. I mean, you see that finish from Vasquez early on in the first leg. I mean... He kind of gets the ball in between his feet and then just a quick little shot towards the side netting. No chance, really, to have for to, any save. To there. have those two guys up front and then to also have Giovinco. Yeah, it's unstoppable. It's kind of unfair. There's not really much that anybody can do. Yeah, and given the one team that I, I the one team I thought that could compete with Toronto was Atlanta. Yeah, because I, I mean, you go that home atmosphere is such a difference maker for Atlanta. But I also do think now that. With the way things have kind of folded with Columbus, I mean, they might be moving after this year. That's going to be an electric place to play. And they're playing, as I think I've said this like four times on the show already, 
they're very playing very inspired yeah. soccer right now and it, that can kind of carry a team through towards the final but which I is still like which Toronto. is what's so interesting about MLS as compared to other soccer leagues that don't have a playoffs you can get a team like Columbus who didn't have the best regular season who can get this kind of late surge this inspired yep. performance like if this were the Premier League Toronto would have just won it would just be over Toronto's the yep. champions but you know this is what's so unique about MLS is that there's this this playoff kind of experience that no other soccer league really gets which is really interesting it almost gives it more of like, like it's something like the world cup where the best team doesn't win every time at the world cup like the most talented yep. squad doesn't win and i'm not the biggest fan of major league soccer by any means i think the talent level is that is so inferior to that of in the major five leagues in europe which is granted given what they have to work with but they do make up for it in some sorts with this playoff yeah like there's you a mention there's that there's kind of entertainment there. yeah, yeah the excitement exactly and i mean you look at if we get a West, another Western Conference final of Portland-Seattle, which is the biggest rivalry in the MLS right yeah, now, absolutely. that could create a really cool storyline, especially having Toronto with, to set rec, all types of records this year, and Columbus, who, as we mentioned, have been on some sort of run since the beginning of August. So it could be something that could really bring excitement to this league, and they need it badly, especially after what happened to the U.S. men's national team. All right, moving away from MLS, we are going to get to the big five European leagues, specifically all of them at once in the Champions League. <laughs> um, so I do want to talk about one result. I'm very upset that our beloved John Furlong is not here because I want to talk about Roma 3-0 against Chelsea. And here's here's my thing. That's the third bad result in like the last three weeks for Chelsea. Yep. The two one loss to Crystal Palace. I mean, granted it was at Crystal Palace, but Crystal Palace are twentieth in the. They Premier hadn't League. scored yet. They they literally hadn't scored the entire season before they beat Chelsea. Then allowing Roma to come back from two nil down to get a three three draw last a couple weeks ago, and then this three nil loss, conceding a goal in forty seconds. And losing 3-0 to Roma, third bad result in three weeks, is there concern for Chelsea? I mean, absolutely. And kind of the main factor in all this has been Nagolo Conte being kind of on the sidelines. They're hoping to get him back versus United this weekend. But you look at last or yesterday's performance against Roma, they were torn up through the midfield. I mean, El Sharaway was making a big difference coming off the wings. And then you see that thunderous strike he had to kind of open the scoring in that game. It's hard to kind of put this burden on the defense especially when you're starting Cahill kind of week in and week in week out and you look at that second goal I mean I forget who it was but it was El Sharway no this uh, on defense the uh, first, I believe El Sharway had the first goal he he scored the He's, he scored the first, first and second goal okay yeah so you look at that ball through I mean do you know who's playing defense for Chelsea at that point I mean you look at the highlight it's just a it's just an over-the-top ball that one of their center back, one of Chelsea's center backs just allowed to fall right through to El Sharway. And when you do that, you're not really giving Courtois a chance. And that's all you could ask for because Courtois is one of the best keepers in the entire world. Yeah, you just got to give him a chance. Exactly. But and they haven't, they they weren't haven't given done a chance. that at yeah. all this year. And that's what's concerning, especially you look at, I mean, you look at, we did this show last week. It was kind of the exact opposite fold. We were concerned about United going in towards Stamford Bridge last week, but then. Obviously, they have the good performance over Tottenham over the weekend. A little shakier versus Benfica, but now the tides have turned because Antonio Conte's job is now in question after yeah, that. Yeah, especially with Ancelotti being a free agent. Um, but he, here's my question. You mentioned N'Golo Conte being out, and he's been out for a little while now, and they're looking to get him back. 
on Sunday. So there is th- there is that kind of built-in excuse. I mean, he was the player of the year last year, and they're missing him. But the question becomes, isn't that concerning that you're missing one player, and one player has such a strong impact on the on your results that you play so much like a different team almost when he's out of the lineup that it's just like, I mean, Chelsea have a very talented squad. It shouldn't just be one player having such a strong impact. So is that a concern that just N'Golo Kante being out is having such a strong impact on Chelsea's performances? I wouldn't say that it's too concerning because, I mean, you look at the rest of the teams in the Premier League, so to speak. You look at last week, I mean, Tottenham looked lost against United without Harry Kane in their lineup, and that's just one player, really, you could say. And United have really struggled without Paul Pogba at times. So I'm not ready to kind of hit the panic button with Chelsea yet because obviously we've seen how they can perform with Conte. They've been one of the better teams in the league, and obviously they won the league last year. But I'm not ready to kind of just hit that panic button with Chelsea yet. This week against United, I think, is very important for them. They need to come out away with at least a point because if you go down kind of without a win or at least a point in the Premier League, in their last, well, did that be two in a row for them in the in Premier League play? Um, no, they they got they got a win last week against oh, right, Burnmouth, correct, correct. Um, but, but not a very impressive result. Exactly. I mean, Burnmouth aren't a great team, and it was only a one no win. Yeah, so I mean, I I would be concerned, but I think I I mentioned this moments ago. Antonio Conte, I've never been a huge fan of his style. He's obviously an electric manager when they're when times are winning, but Conte. When the mojo really shifts when Chelsea's losing, and we've seen that. I mean, he really hasn't, he's been absolutely silent on the bench, and that's going to be a big problem for Chelsea going forward if that continues. Yeah, well, and but the interesting thing is it looks like Chelsea are still going to get through um, the group stage because Atletico have been, Atletico have been really struggling. Um, so the, it, so bef- this Man United match right after it, it comes an international break, which might be coming at exactly the right time for Chelsea get a bit of regrouping going on. So I would I I would if I had to hazard a guess, a little Chelsea pun there, Eden Hazard. <laughs> there you go. Um if I had to hazard a guess, I would say that, you know, I mean he's Conte's probably going to be around through at least the international break barring a catastrophic result against United 2-0 or more at home. Um cuz coming out of the international break they get West Brom and Carabag, which are two teams to get some moment some good momentum coming out of the international break against before they have to play Liverpool at Anfield. Um so then we're gonna we're, we'll move on to um, some of the other Premier League teams. Um, everybody knows where I want to go, but we're gonna wait. We're gonna wait um, because we got to talk about the three other Premier League teams that are basically through with wins. Um, Manchester City is officially through with a four-two victory over Napoli. Uh, Man United is all but officially through. I think they need. I think it's something. It has to be something like they lose their last two games. Both of the other, the second and third place teams in their group have to win their last two games, and they have to make up something like twelve goals in goal difference in the last two games. Something crazy has like it, it really, would, yeah, really it, crazy it series of events. It would take like the biggest catastrophe. In, yeah, like, that that would be the biggest. That would be a bigger catastrophe. That would probably be a bigger catastrophe than the U.S. missing out on Ar- the World arguably, Cup. Arguably, especially <laughs> considering like who they have to play. Yeah. I mean, Basel has looked shaky, and CSK at home too. Like those are two games you should, if you can't get a point. At least one point from those two games. And you don't they, deserve to go. Through. Yeah, and they need, all they need is one point in their last two games, and they're officially through. Or either of those teams to drop any points. Um, so they're basically through. And Liverpool are top of their group. They're not 
basically through, but they they are basically through. Another th- uh, 3-0 win against Maribor. That's 10-0 in their last two games in the Champions League, both against Maribor, who have been terrible, to be fair. But another dominant performance. So let's get, let's dive in a little bit to Manchester City. Um, just another dominating performance for them. 17 shots. Um, a goal for Aguero, get him back in there. Sterling back on form. And a couple goals for the center backs. Just an all-around strong performance. Yeah, and it was a really exciting game for a while. I mean, I believe it was 2-2 at one point with Napoli. and Yeah, it was 2-2. They, that, uh, that attack from Ch- from City, rather, is just it's too it's too dominant. I mean, you look at Aguero, you have Jesus as well up top, and then kind of Kevin De Bruyne's the guy who makes it all Kevin happen. De Bruyne's been having an incredible season. Sané has been playing very well. Yep. He had a couple assists. Sterling as well. I mean, Sterling. If, if you have the wings working, like, you're really unstoppable because you have Silva and De Bruyne in the middle who kind of just run the entire show. And where the weaknesses have come with City in the past has been their wings. They obviously got Sané last year and Sterling a few years back. Sterling... You could argue up until this year really hasn't lived up to that deal at all. And Sané kind of disappointed last year in his first season. But they've they've, been those incredible. two have really stepped up on the wings. And you just see the pace that they provide because Sterling and De Bruyne obviously aren't the fastest guys in the middle. And granted, they're center attacking midfielders. They shouldn't be. But if you have that kind of opportunity to distribute to the outsides of them, kind of like what United have with Martial and Rashford when they use those two on either wing, they're really dangerous and they're showing it right now. Yeah, so so I mean, when that game was two two, even I mean, Napoli gets the penalty, ties it up two two. You're you're thinking there's at least one more goal in this for City. Exactly. So I I mean, you there it, it was never really in doubt that City was going to score again. Yeah, like, I I don't think there's anyone looking at it right now. I don't think there's anyone who you could say could really catch them in the Premier League oh, right no. now. I mean, it's going to take a major stumble. Yeah, and the argument was that United coming into the year could catch them, and they showed that at the start. But again, they've kind of run into some rough patches lately, whether it's been injuries or poor performances from Lukaku up front lately. They just they haven't shown that they can catch City. And that that matchup with between United and City and United and City and Tottenham. Those two are going to be very interesting to watch because it's kind of the second. Those are the two second class teams right now, Tottenham and United. Yeah, that's 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 the second tier in the Premier League yeah. right now. And it's it's going to be interesting to see if they can at least show like that they can compete and provide kind of a, a storyline going towards the end of the season. So moving across the city, moving across Manchester to get to go to United's midweek performance, they had a very impressive performance at home against Spurs at the at the weekend um, with a victory. But the midweek performance against Benfica, not that convincing. 2-0, very even on possession, even on shots. The two goals for United were an own goal and a penalty. So, I mean, it it's a little concerning. But again, it's not that concerning because they're basically through. So, like, it, it's, it's hard to be concerned about a result that basically gets you through to the group stage. But it's still a little bit concerning. Yeah, and it's... As you mentioned, it's kind of hard to judge a performance like that because United know United knew they were through basically once. If you win, you win three out of your first three games, you're essentially through. Yeah, you're basically no matter through. where, no matter what uh, group you're in. But they they started with Jesse Lingard today. No, Jesse Lingard on Wednesday or Tuesday rather. No, no Henrik Mkhitaryan as well, and no Marcus Rashford to start. So. Obviously, your attack can be hindered, but the first half, I mean, they first half, they were really shaky. They were out-possessed in the first half, and the only reason they were ahead was because Matic's shot goes off the post and then off the back of Svilar and in. So, mm-hmm. it's definitely concerning, so to speak, but 
I think you look at the way they played with their first team or their entire first team against Tottenham the week before, and that's the performance I think that you have to look at as what the real United is and then judge that going forward against Chelsea. Now that now that that that's interesting that you say that because there are people who would who would argue about that performance is that Tottenham or without Harry Kane. That that's also true, but I think that I think United had definitely outchanced Tottenham oh, no, they, in that they, game. They certainly outplayed Tottenham yeah. in that game and I I wouldn't say that I I was just playing devil's advocate there. I was it was a very impressive result for Manchester United, especially genuinely to score against Tottenham's yeah. back line the way that United have been struggling to score. Tottenham's back line might be the, the best in the league at this point. Um, I mean, there's arguments to be made, and John's I'm sure John's going to text me as soon <laughs> as he hears me say that. But there's certainly a strong argument to be made that Tottenham's back line is top two in the league, maybe, at, at worst. So, I mean, it's I, I thought it was a very impressive result for Manchester United. Very impressive for them to bounce back, I mean, after that Huddersfield loss. Yeah. So I and I it, it's all going to come to a head this weekend Sunday 11:30 Eastern Standard Time um <laughs> Chelsea Man United at Stamford Bridge. I it's going to be a very interesting match. I think ultimately it's going to be a very exciting draw, but you know, we'll we'll see. But yeah, we'll see what what it really all depends on what what way Mourinho tries to play against Chelsea because you see you look at the way they played at home against Tottenham, they were in attacking mode. They were utilizing the wings to their advantage and they weren't just trying to kind of park the bus and play on the counter-attack like we saw them play at Anfield a few weeks back against Liverpool. And when they do play on the road, that's kind of the tactic that Mourinho has gone with in terms of parking the bus. But you have a struggling Chelsea team. You want to pounce on them early, and that could really rattle yeah, Chelsea, t- which is the way I'd expect Mourinho to come out, especially against his former team. Yeah, come out, take the game to them early, try to get the crowd out of it at Stamford Bridge, um, see if they can take advantage of some mistakes. And then briefly, we're going to touch on Liverpool. Nice performance against Maribor again. I mean, not that surprising. They're basically through. Nice to see Sturridge back on the score sheet in the Champions yeah. League. Yeah, there's not much to say there, really, because, yeah. I mean, Liverpool haven't really been, haven't had much to compete with thus far. I mean, they, they've got a they've got a pretty easy group to yeah, get through, I and mean, they're and basically they're going to get through at this point. Yeah, I mean, Sevilla is their only real comp. You could argue Spartak Mosk- Moscow, but Sevilla is really their only. Yeah. And, and, and Sevilla have been struggling as well yes, in, they have. in the Champions League. Absolutely. So now finally, we get to talk about I it. Give you cre- I give you credit for holding I made the it, patience I made it 22, 22 minutes and 34 seconds before <laughs> I can say this. Tottenham Hotspur defeated Real Madrid 3-1 to at Wembley Stadium. And Harry Kane didn't even have to score, which was the craziest part. Yeah. If you would have told me Spurs were going to beat Madrid 3-1, I would have told you it was probably a Harry Kane hat trick. <laughs> that that that's a fair assessment. I think just honestly, he do, I don't think he's all. I don't think he's entirely healthy. And yeah, that it, was kind of evident on Wednesday, just because he he wasn't. He had a couple. Of, he had a couple of decent chances, but most yeah. of his role was to be a bit of hold up play and to be distracting for the exactly. center backs. That just you look at his presence alone. Based you look at the difference in performance just from against United over the weekend and then yesterday against Real Madrid. The big difference was just having Kane in that lineup, so to speak, kind of just to draw the attention of Sergio Ramos, who I thought was brutal yesterday. To yeah, be perfectly I, honest. I mean, we talked about this. We did talk about this last <laughs> week about how we all think he's incredibly overrated, and I think he showed it. Um, he just he just lost Deli Alley on that first yep. goal. Just lost him. Yep. And it and it's surprising to me because he had done that before in that game. Deli Alley just hadn't gotten to the post to finish mm-hmm. off Trippier's first cross, and then Trippier puts in the same cross again. And Ramos lost Deli Alley again, 
And then Deli Alley's second goal is deflected off of Ramos and into the yep. back of the net. And then the third goal is just a just a break breakaway, and they lost yeah, and Erickson. A perfect example. I Deli Alley was spectacular, and his I mean, and he's been waiting for this. I mean, he was suspended the first three games of the Champions yep. League for his red card at the end of the Europa League last mm-hmm. year. In the last game in their in Spurs last game in the Europa League, so he's been waiting. He's been raring to go, and he's been in pretty bad form in the league yep. so far this season. I mean, we talked about it at the start of the season that a couple of people thought that he would be their disappointing player of the year, and they've been kind of right so far. But this was a and his, and Erickson's been in bad form too the last yep. couple of games. So it was great to see those two guys, especially. And Erickson at the Bernabeu was probably Spurs' worst performer. It was in Modric's back pocket all night, but tonight or le- yesterday. He ha- he was a revelation. I mean, they were both playing incredibly. Yeah, and those two really they tore apart the arguably the best midfields in Europe right now. In I mean, two of them Tony made Cruz and two Luka of them Modric. made the FIFA World Eleven. Yeah, they, exactly. yeah, they were both in the and World Eleven. They they just had no answer, especially Ali. I mean, with his pace in the center midfield, which is rare, you don't really see that from a center midfielder. Which he is, just tore them apart. Which is why people almost think of him as another striker, but he's not because yep. he spends so much time playing back, but he yep. gets quickly so mm-hmm. forward because he's got that pace. And I do want to give a sh- special shout-out to um, Harry Winks in the midfield as well. I yep. think he played incredibly. He got another. He just got called up again by England. I, he should be in their 2018 squad. He's been playing really well in the midfield. I'm just so happy. <laughs> I can't blame you. I mean, you beat the be- you beat the best team in the world. The two-time defending, defending European yep. champions. Um, I mean, Ronaldo gets his his goal late. You can't really keep him off the score sheet. Yeah, I mean, you. I saw your tweet before the game actually that he was pretty much guaranteed to get a goal with Trippier in there. I actually yeah. thought Trippier had Trippier, a really good Trippier performance. Trippier had an incredible game. Started the lineup when the lineup came out. I thought ten of eleven was perfect, and that Aurier should have been in the match mm-hmm. for Trippier just because. He has the pace to handle Ronaldo. To be fair, Aurier did struggle against United. I thought yeah, he Aurier did. Aurier did struggle against United right and, and was probably tired from playing ninety minutes at the weekend. Um, and he he plays with a lot of pace. He's running all the time. Um, but Trippier was incredible. Um, he had a great game. Got got the assist on the first goal. Um, and was wreaking havoc on Marcelo and Ronaldo all game. Marcelo didn't look like himself. A lot of Madrid just didn't look like themselves. Yeah. I mean it. I'm not trying to take any way, anything away from Tottenham, but that's one of the worst performances I've seen from Real Madrid in a very long time. I mean, they just didn't really have anything in the midfield with Cruz and Modric. I thought they were horrible in terms of kind of ch- transferring the play from the defensive area to the attacking area, and they just didn't really have any answer. And Ronaldo was held in check for most of the time, which is all you can ask for. So at this point, there are four teams that are officially through to the group stages. Bayern Munich, PSG... Manchester City and Tottenham freaking Hotspur. It's a great day to be a Spurs fan. For Jackson Heil, I'm Christian Hoban. Thank you for listening to this edition of FUVFC. FC.